I started this series, Planning for Success in 2020. But I'm talking about success from a spiritual dimension. Listen, what is in the spirit will always affect the natural. What is in the natural will never even get to the spirit. Think about it. What is established in the spirit, it will affect the natural. But what starts in the, in the natural will never get to the spirit. So what kind of a year are you planning? I want a spirit-filled year. I want a year that is filled with God's graces, God's blessing, and God's directives. I don't just want him to bless me. I, I, all this year, I want to be on a mission from heaven. How many of you know you'll have a, a better blessed year if you're on a mission from heaven? Yes. Amen. God's mission is always filled with impossibilities that become possibles, possibilities, and they become possible realities. So I started this series, and the very first week was uh, the ability to hear in the Spirit. And I talked about the Song of Solomon, and the Shulamite woman says, draw me. We have to recognize that the Spirit of God will draw us. If you look in Luke, in Luke chapter uh, 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But if you study the prayer life of Jesus, that's the first time and one of the last times it says the Spirit led him. But many times he made it a custom. He went to a place of solitude to be with God. What am I saying? The Shulamite woman says, draw me and I will run after you. That's a good thing. We need to hear in the Spirit. Because God's always calling. God is never silent. He's always calling. And the Shulamite says, draw me. We want God to draw us. The Shulamite woman gives the proper response. I will run after you. We want to run when God draws us. But David said in the Psalms, it is good for me to run after him. And so Jesus went into the wilderness led by the Spirit, but all throughout his prayer life, he often took time, made it a practice to have solitude with God. I'm going to tell you, don't always wait for God to just knock. You know who the person is that brings the greatest joy to an employer? It's the person who doesn't wait to be told they just go and do. And in a relationship of affection, whether it's friends or a husband and wife or parent and kids, if we always wait for the other person to press our go button, our relationship's going to wear thin. But if we take turns pressing each other's go button, in other words, if we take turns drawing each other, I believe in this relationship, if we're going to have a successful relationship with God, we should be going out to a, a place of solitude because the Spirit leads us 
And I think at times we should go to a place of solitude because we want the Spirit to come. Are you hearing me? Amen. Amen. Absolutely. We need to draw him the same way at times I need him to draw me. Can I get an agreement? And so uh, I, I talked about number one was the ability to hear in the Spirit draw me. Number two was the commitment to action. I will run after you. Last week I spoke about point three, violent determination. Violent determination. Uh, we have a short little video that I didn't get to play last week. It's just maybe 40 seconds long. Violent determination. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That is not by the sword. That is not aggression. That is not that type of violence. It's serious, focused, single-minded determination. And just to take the violence away from some of the kind of crazy religious violence we see in the world and to make sure that we're putting this in right perspective. I have a video that I think will just bring a very cute definition to violence. The violent take it by force. Thank you. Violence is applied when you approach to do the things that seem ridiculously crazy and impossible to do. But it's that determination and that zeal that says, but I'm going to do it anyway. We need that kind of violence in the things of God. We like to come to church, but that can become very blasé and just very casual. So casual that after a while, I don't have to come to church every week. And then after a while, well, really, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. And then after a while, what the heck is the church? We need to be focused and determined in the things of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know what's interesting? That these principles of success, while I'm speaking from the spirit realm and from the things of God these are principles that the world already knows works you will not see a successful person in the world whether it's an athlete an entertainer or a CEO of a corporation who doesn't understand violent determination Amen. And Jesus said the children of darkness are often wiser than the children of light the enemy recognizes the prince of God, principles of God and he will mask them in seminars and never give credit to God and he will make the children of darkness successful. And then the children of God get the, these revelations masked in religiosity and we never see them and never act on them. 
Don't settle for going to church. You're meant to be the church. And the kind of church Jesus talks about is the kind of church that the gates of hell cannot stand up against. That means... That means the church of God is constantly threatening. The church of God is constantly invading. The church of God is constantly attacking the kingdom of darkness. If we're honest with ourselves, too often our Christian life is focused on, oh, well, the devil's been attacking me. Let me tell you, the devil will spend time attacking you if you haven't been spending time kicking his butt in Jesus' name. Amen. Just saying. <laughs> Just putting it out there. So today's message is called Distractions That Lead to Subtractions. Distractions That Lead to subtraction, subtra Subtractions. Okay, we all know what subtraction is. We're going to put a little phrase up on the board. Subtraction is the process or skill of taking away from the total so that you will always have less. How many of you learned addition and subtraction in elementary school? Of course you did. You probably learned it at home before elementary school. It doesn't change the fact that the principle of subtraction is the process or skill, irrespective of whether you're using it in simple math, difficult equations, or whether it is used as a principle in the hands of the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Subtraction is the process or skill of taking away from the total so that you will always have less. Next phrase. Distractions from the things of God will always lead to subtra subtractions in your life. Distractions from the things of God will always lead to subtractions in your life. The enemy knows when breakthroughs around the corner. We don't always know when breakthrough is around the corner because we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't always feel, feel it. We don't always hear it. Sometimes we see it in the Spirit. Sometimes God just leaves us walking by faith around the corner. But the enemy knows when there is a victory around the corner and he will use the principle of distraction from the things of God so that he could continue to make subtraction in your life. I want you to read with me we're gonna when i say read with me follow with me luke chapter 10 we have a story about two beautiful women and they were both wonderful wonderful beautiful christ-loving people but we're gonna read a story uh, just for one moment at times i've heard people say you know i, I can relate to your preaching because you're just so real. Do you know that the more we mirror our Father, 
the more real we get. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, he is so like God. No, I make plenty of mistakes, okay? But what I love about the Word of God is that while there are heroes in the Word of God, God doesn't cover up their flaws. Their flaws are visible, but he loves them. He loves them. And he covers them with his blood. He covers them with his righteousness. He covers them with his love. But God doesn't play make-believe. The truth is the truth. And we see flaws in David. We see flaws in, in all of these great men and women who are heroes in the word. And God allows it to be there so that you and I don't put them on a pedestal and then think, well, that was them and that will never be me. No, in their idiosyncrasies and in their mistakes and in their brokenness and in their flaws, we see us. So that when we see them exalted by the hand and the Spirit of God to a place of greatness, we could say, well, if I was like them in that, I could be like them in this. Amen. I didn't get too many amens. God allows the their weaknesses to be seen so that when we marvel at their strengths, we still qualify. Are you with me, church? All right. So we're going to look at Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. Distractions will lead to subtraction. The enemy knows how to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He will cause your attention to be taken while he comes in and like a magician... Quicker than the eye can see, pull away God's best intention for your life. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she asked, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? I'm in the kitchen, you hear the clanging of the pots and the pans, and I'm cooking, and oh, yay, you know, Jesus, come on, give me a break, tell her to help me. Next verse, Martha, Martha, this doesn't come from the Brady Bunch, is it Martha, Martha, Marsha, okay, well. For copyright reasons, they changed it slightly. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You worry and get upset about many things. But few things are needed or indeed only one. There are guests at the house. And if you, you know, I'm sure in your culture, in my Italian culture... Hospitality is extremely important. It is very important. You, 
you are hospitable and you serve and you make sure that there's plenty of refreshments on the table. You know, when Italians salute the flag, they also promise that whenever they cook, they'll always cook too much so that there's leftovers. I'm kidding. Culture is important, but Jesus actually makes a statement. It says few things are needed, or indeed, only one thing is actually needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and I'm not going to scold her. It's not going to be taken away from her. Distraction, look at that. It will not be taken away from her. Distraction will lead to subtraction. Jesus is always speaking Subtle indications of truth. He says, Mary is spending time at my feet, and a lot less is going to get taken away from her. And by the way, I am not going to take away from her the good she's doing right now. Jesus was speaking to two things, the obvious and the unseen. It will not be taken away from her. Verse 43 Let's go to verse 43. Oh, sorry, I don't have it there. Okay, so then we go down. I apologize. Uh, And it will not be taken away from her. So I make a statement. Faith will never grow in the absence of the word. Here's Mary hanging on every word that Jesus has to say. And here's Martha cooking Hang on a second. Let's make it more relevant. Here's Mary coming to church, hanging on every word from the Lord. And Martha's busy making a living. Martha's busy making a life. Martha's busy doing this or doing that. Can we look at the principle here? Oh, no, Martha was in the kitchen. It was about cooking. Let's look at the principle because stories are not put in the Word of God to be a piece of gossip. Mm -hmm. Stories are put in the Word of God to be a principle and an illustration and a lesson learned. Hello? So why is this here? Because God is trying to let His church understand that we really do need to hang on every word that comes from him. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of my father's mouth. And here's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, hanging on every word. Listen, I'm not here to try to make anyone feel condemned, but I have an onious task, and that is to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth isn't always the most popular subject. But I fear God more than I fear you. The truth of the matter is, the enemy will give you a gazillion reasons why you shouldn't be in the house of God. He'll give you a gazillion reasons why you shouldn't take time to read your Bible at home. He will make the phone ring, visitors come and visit. He will do all manner of things 
because he knows what's around the corner. You see, when God wants to move, the enemy being a spirit being, he senses, he knows the moving of God. And if there's a move of God around the corner and God's going to break through, the enemy wants to distract you so he could subtract from you. By the same token, we're called to watch and pray so that we are ready. And if the enemy's planning a strategy around the other corner, he's going to distract you so that you're not ready and you get completely taken by surprise. Amen. This got to be one of the quietest sermons I've preached in the last couple of weeks. And please, everyone, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me for a moment. I know that's, that's an imposition. But everyone look at me for a moment. I don't preach this stuff because I've arrived there. I preach this stuff because I'm trying to arrive there. Okay? Usually I preach to you what God just prodded me in the ribs about during the week. Meaning, most of us are like the rest of us. Hello? Yeah. Please don't, don't be offended, and not for my name's sake, not so that, oh, you like Pastor Rob. Please don't be offended. And not so that, oh, you don't leave the church or gossip and criticize. Please don't be offended because it's to your disadvantage if you take offense. Amen. You will lose out. Your children will lose out. We can be so busy about trying to earn income and gain status that we lose our children like the sand drifting back into the sea and we don't even see it. On the receding tide. Amen. Are you hearing me? When we give faithful diligence. Yes. <laughs> I, I know Manny. <laughs> Thank you Manny. Thank you Manny. I love this guy's enthusiasm. You got to see him in Bible school. I'm thinking of making him the head of the cheer squad in Bible school. I have no problem with the fact, oh, he just stood up and spoke. He's in one with the Spirit and giving confirmation. And I know you're thinking about what I'm saying, but don't be offended. And I'm not saying don't be offended because I don't want to suffer loss. I don't want you to suffer loss. I'm called to preach the word of God. Yes, we live in a very busy world. Don't you think that's part of the enemy's strategy? Busyness will sidetrack us. It is a distraction that will be a subtraction. It's a principle, guys. You know, you, you don't go to warfare without studying your enemy. You don't go to war without learning principles of warfare. And we, we want to just have a happy, clappy Jesus time. But the enemy wants to slap you around the ears. Anybody ever noticed? We got to have more than just a happy, clappy time with Jesus. We've got to know 
what's going on in the realm of the spirit and be aware of the enemy's strategies. Amen. Amen. And so distraction. And look, the enemy will... He will use distractions that seem so important and so real and so unavoidable. And no, I'm not only just talking about coming to church. It's not about church attendance. It is not about church growth. It is about the fact that I made a vow that I would serve him and that I would speak the truth in love. This is equally about you taking time during your day-to-day life to spend time with him. It's not just about, oh, he wants us to come to church so that we hear him. No, I want you to hear him. We, we, We have got to take time. Here we are. We're blessed with another year. A whole year is ahead of us. And I want this year in my life to be a God-filled year. I want that this year, all year, I'm not chasing my tail. I want that this year I am on missions from heaven. Because if we're on missions from heaven, God's going to take care of home base. Thank you. Amen. If we seek first the kingdom of God, he would be a traitor not to look after us. He doesn't send us out to war and then retreat. He sends us on a mission and he's taking care of everything that is ours. Can I get an agreement? This is the God that we believe in. This is the God that we serve. We don't serve selfishness or self-centeredness. Should he want us to make a sacrifice for him while he has turned his back and hasn't been taken care of the home front? I totally and absolutely am convinced that if I run after God with all of my heart, God will take care of all of my stuff. Thank you. Faith will never grow in the absence of the word. It just won't. In John chapter 11, verse 19, we're going to look at a story of Mary and Martha again. Around the corner, Satan had a strategy. Jesus said, what Mary has won't be taken from her. Around the corner, Satan had a strategy. Only a few chapters later, no mom, no dad, an older brother, neither one of them were married, Mary or Martha. Lazarus dies. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, 
my brother wouldn't have died. I don't believe that she was blaming him. This is my own interpretation. I'm not saying thus said the Lord. I think she was just talking as a grief-struck woman person. She was just saying, Jesus, if you were here, you would have raised him up like that. I, I, don't, I don't feel that she was blaming him, but we'll leave that with the Holy Ghost. I don't know. Uh, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Remember a few chapters earlier, Mary was hanging at his feet, hanging on every word, and Martha was upset because her sister wasn't busy like her doing stuff. Now, Martha makes a statement, and it sounds like it's full of faith. Watch this. You know, when we read God's Word, you will get more out of it if you're totally honest with what you're reading and honest with yourself. Honesty is actually a reward. It might bring conviction, but that's a reward. To the wise, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is your salvation. You didn't get saved without getting convicted first. And so my attitude is, Holy Spirit, convict me as often as you need to. And the Holy Spirit says, you really want me to be busy, don't you? <laughs> but we, we should trust him so much that his being in our face means the enemy can't be in our face. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit being in our face Y'all, by you all, it's, it, it's like this here. One finger that way and all the rest are back here. So I'm going to be southern for a minute. Can you imagine a New Yorker being southern? Hey, I'm more southern than all of you. I lived 29 years in South Australia. I didn't just live in Australia, which is at the bottom. I lived in South Australia. So I'm more southern than all of you. I've been to the top and I've been to the bottom in many ways. Listen, <laughs> I, I love you people. You know that? I do. I, I care about you. And I take this very seriously. And I, I walk like this sometimes because I think, God, I don't want to preach and then fail myself. But I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. And so... <clears throat> What was I saying? If we welcome him to be in our face, the enemy can't get in our space. When I'm walking right with God, the enemy has no legal entry to my life. Hello? I want the Holy Ghost in my face all the time. And every wise person said, Amen. So be it. In Jesus' name. So, the enemy had something stored around the corner. Here is Lazarus. He dies. And Martha, who wasn't hanging on Jesus' feet, the word of God and the presence of God and the worship of God was mixed up with what she can do and her busyness and what she thought would be the right appearance of doing things. So she turns and she says, Jesus says to her, your brother 
first of all, just go back to verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. That's a religious statement. In this case, you can say that, and it's not a religious statement. But in this case, it's a religious statement. She says, I believe that God can give you whatever you ask. And then when Jesus asked, you're going to see she didn't believe. Sometimes we can speak the word of faith, but we didn't spend time with the word of faith for it to be in our heart. So she says, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, okay, your brother will rise again. She says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Nah. She wasn't speaking from a place of faith. She was speaking things she overheard that she knew sounded right, but it wasn't living in her heart. Now, am I condemning her for that? Oh, no. I've, I could be up there as an example of even sillier things. Okay? You all hearing me? I love the realness of God's Word. And uh, she says, yeah, I, I, I know he'll rise again. In the resurrection, when all the dead rise up on that last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me uh, will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Oh, yeah, of course. I believe this. Next verse. Yeah, I believe you. What does she say? I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, who has come into the world. She gives a religious pat answer. Whatever you ask Jesus, even now, the Father will do. Okay, your brother will rise. Yeah, I know, he'll rise in the resurrection. No, I am right now the spirit and the power of the resurrection. Do you believe this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe you're Yeshua. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You've come into the world. She wasn't seeing it. She wasn't hearing it. She wasn't getting it because she wasn't hanging on his words when she had opportunity. You and I need the discipline of being in the house of God and we need the discipline of praying at home and we need the discipline of reading the word because parrot fashion repetition of scripture isn't the same as emotion, heart, filled and uh, it's not the same as emotion filled and heart filled enthusiastic quotation of thus says the Lord it's not the same it's not the same let's go on to the next passage verse 32 when Mary reached the place Martha went running home told Mary Mary you got to come Jesus is here when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet oh my goodness this woman's forever feeling falling at his feet her body language speaks of the fact that she could never ever give enough devotion to the creator of the universe 
Oh, well, she was mourning. No, I'll take you to another story in a minute. Three for three, she falls at his feet. She was at his feet when Mary, uh, Martha was in the kitchen. She's at his feet again. She falls at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, I know you. My brother wouldn't have died. Next verse. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. See, this is what I love about God. He didn't make us and then get angry at us because we are us. He makes us and he understands us. And here's God in the flesh weeping with them. He understands emotion. He understands the frailty of human nature. He understands that sometimes things get the better of us. And here's Jesus as a man, and yet God, weeping with them. Not weeping, oh, when are they going to get it? Not weeping in judgment. Not weeping in frustration at the church. He feels if anybody will feel where you're sitting right now, God will feel where you're sitting right now. Sometimes I get people, sometimes I don't. I'm soft, I'm sensitive, but I don't always catch the moment. Sometimes I miss it. But God never misses it. Never misses it. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Next verse. Where have you laid him, he asked. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I love the irony of God. Jesus is looking at that and saying, I thank you, Father, that what you're going to do with me, you're going to do with Lazarus right now. Take away the stone, he said. But, 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 but Lord Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, uh, by this time, he's been dead four days. He's going to stink. This is the lady who said, I believe you can do anything even right now. Amen. Your brother will rise in the resurrection. Yeah, I know. In the last day. Do you believe I am right now the power of the resurrection? Yes, I do. You are Yeshua, Messiah, the Son of God. You've come to earth to sit on the throne of David. And when he says, roll away the stone, the faith that was in her mouth wasn't the faith that was in her heart. And the only way to get it in your heart is to sit at his feet. Distractions lead to subtraction. And the enemy will use distraction when the breakthrough of God is around the corner. And the enemy will also use distraction when he's planning adversity around the other corner for you. Because the last thing he wants is to initiate a plan for your demise, but you've just spent time in the Father's presence. Because he knows his plan will fall apart. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. 
not spending time in his presence can sometimes put us in a place where we end up opposing the very thing we really want. Wow. I'm going to say it again. Not spending time in his presence can sometimes put us in the place where we're opposing the very thing we want. Martha, if, if Jesus only acted on Martha's face, faith, she would have lost it. Thank God for God's grace. Amen? Amen. 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 Very quickly, there's one more incident. I told you Mary was three for three. And in... Um, John chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha was serving. And Lazarus was with those reclining at the table. <laughs> Then Mary took about a pint of nard. This is oil in its purest essence. It was worth about a year's wage. She takes a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she pours it on Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair. You see, they still didn't understand. He came to be the sacrificial lamb. He's going to die. It's around the corner. This is six days before Passover, six days away from the big event. They did not know he was going to die. They did not understand it, even though he said it to them many times. Here's Mary, used to falling at his feet. There's a huge event around the corner, and she's ministering to our Savior. She's at his feet. And she's taking a year's worth of wages and saying, you're worth all my time. You're worth all my time. What are you doing with your time? She literally baptized his feet with her time. We get so jealous over our time and so protective over our time that even God doesn't deserve our time. Wow, this is going a lot deeper than it was even when I wrote it. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Why does the Bible bother to say it was worth a year's wages? Because money is an issue to God. Time is an issue to God. It was worth all, a whole year of her labor, her time. She was willing to pour it on Jesus' feet. When earning precious nard takes up all your time, you've become the Martha in the kitchen. Mary took all the nard from a year's worth of time and poured it on his feet. What's interesting is a couple of things are happening here. The crucifixion's around the corner. And I, I love this lady because before he went to the cross and before anyone could know, she is blessing and baptizing the feet 
of the one who had to die because of me. And she took the time to love on him while he was still alive. And I love her for it. Now we all know he is risen, of course. But are we taking the time to love on him before we see him face to face and everything changes? So number one, the crucifixion's around the corner. And she's saying, you're worth all my time. A whole year's worth of time. You're worth a year's worth of time inside of five minutes of devotion or whatever it is. Judas, who used to steal from the money bag, God put him in as the treasurer, not making a mistake, nor to tempt him, but to get a secret sin out of his life. You don't think that for those three and a half years the Holy Spirit never convicted Judas? You don't think that in the presence of Yeshua the Spirit of God never came down and spoke to him about his secret sin? We can keep hiding the secret areas in our lives, but we need to take the time that involves our secret sin and lay that thing at Jesus' feet. And say, God, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that anymore. But Jesus never laid it at Jesus' feet. And so now the, this woman's generosity is challenging his covetousness. You see, he takes offense. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. This is a powerful principle. Learn the principles of God. They will make you very wise in life. Offense isn't always given. Sometimes offense is taken. Mary did not give offense, but Judas took offense. If you read the other Gospels, it said, and the disciples were taking offense and saying this money could have been used for the poor. You read another Gospel and it says, some of the disciples took offense and said it could have been used for the poor. John gets really honest and he names the blighter. The one who put a blight on his own reputation. He says, it was John stirring up the disciples. Be careful who you listen to because you might be listening to the sin problem in somebody else. And when you're getting offended and stirred up to charge against the things of God or a man of God or another person, sometimes you are just listening to the lollygagging of somebody else's sin problem. Amen. I got to tell you, none of this stuff came up while I was preparing this. I think God probably knows I might have backed off, but... Can I point something else out to you? Martha was in the kitchen. That didn't stir up the devil in Judas. Mary was at his feet. And it stirred up the devil in Judas. We can get as busy as we want to be for the Lord. Martha was doing it for the Lord. But Jesus said there's something, the only thing that really counts is you and me. 
you and me. You, you could have all the fanfare of religiosity and I'm doing this for the Lord and we want to build this church and we want to do that. If you're not having quality time with your daddy, you're playing church. I'm going to have to listen to this afterwards. I'll probably sit there thinking, did I really say all that stuff? Martha in the kitchen didn't stir up the demon in Judas. But Mary, worshiping and honoring and hanging on the words of Jesus, stirred up the enemy. I don't know about you, but I don't want the devil to quietly pass by around the existence of Rob Scarallo. I want Rob Scarallo's life to be so entwined with the Holy Ghost that devils get rattled. And what I've done in the past for the Lord doesn't rattle devils. It's the time you and I spend with the Lord that will rattle devils. Your testimony and your trophies from yesterday will not scare the devil today. But our time in his presence and our commitment to him will. Can I get an agreement? All right, praise God. God. Stuff we don't normally see, hey. Hidden for those that are hungry. And you've all stayed sitting there listening. Distraction will be a subtraction. Distraction from the things of God will be a subtraction in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 The apostle says, the apostle Paul says, when Jesus rose from the dead, more than 500 brothers and sisters saw him. Everyone, look at me for a second. If I put you to sleep, just wake up for one second. You could go back to sleep in a minute, okay? Look at me, look at me. Paul says 500, more than 500 brothers and sisters saw Jesus risen from the dead. How many of you would have loved to have seen Jesus in the flesh after he rose from the dead? Yay! Wouldn't that get you excited? Wouldn't that float your boat? Wouldn't you be on fire for Jesus for the next 12 months? 40 days later, he ascends. And he tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem. Stay in the upper room until the Holy Ghost comes. Over 500 saw the risen Christ. He deliberately didn't tell them, now the Holy Ghost will come at such and such a time because we're so conscious of your time schedule. God doesn't want to waste your time and he knows you have jobs and you have important lives and what God can do in two hours, he could do in 60 seconds. So, you know, just show up and as you walk through the door, bing, 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 each one of you will just get it. Now that's not what he did. He said, I'm not going to tell you exactly when he's going to come. I'm just going to tell you he's coming. Wait. Wait. At the end of their waiting, we would all have thought that there would have been 500 people who saw him raised from the dead. 120. 
and probably the longest sermon in Christian history. From when Jesus said the Holy Ghost will come to when he finally came, just happened to get 3,000 people saved. But you know why 3,000 people got saved? Because 120 sat at his feet and hung on every word even though they didn't know what it was going to look like. I make no apology. Can I have the team come to the platform, please? Building a successful year is building in the Spirit. Building a successful year is letting God be God, not just say you're God. Building in the Spirit and building a better year, planning for success, is hanging at Jesus' feet. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. If you're a visitor, don't worry, I preach like this all the time. No apologies. And no, I'm not saying I preach good. I'm just saying I'm not going to worry about what the flesh worries about. I'm going to be more concerned about what I've been called to do. And that is to hold you to the word of God and to a standard that comes from him. Don't feel cheated out of, at other people's liberties because their liberties might actually be the things that rob them. You know, there were ten virgins. They were all virgins. But five made sure they hung at his feet and had extra oil. And five, they ran out of what they already had. They didn't have extra. They ran out of what they had. If a breakthrough of God is around the corner, I don't want to run out of what I have before I get there. And if the devil's planning a strategy around the other corner, I don't want to run out of what I already had. I want to have extra so that I can go the distance. Can I get an amen? amen? So as a pastor, I don't know if I'm your pastor. A lot of new faces here today, and I thank you for being here. But as a pastor... I challenge every one of you, start this year and let it be God's year. Because if it's your, God's year, God will be near. Don't make your goals and your plans make his goals and his plans. And God will take care of home base. He always does. 
No one will take care of your home better than your Father in heaven. Amen. And so the challenge is to the whole church. Let's keep fasting. Let's keep praying. But not just for the 21 days. Let's live a fasted life. Jesus is coming back. You'll have all of eternity to party with the bridegroom. Now we need vigilance and diligence. Amen. Diligence. Amen. Every eye closed. If you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, friend, what good is an empty house? A house sitting on a corner that lies empty becomes a house that becomes a house of ruin. A house to be healthy has to be filled with life and laughter. Jesus said, I stand at the door of everybody's house. I'm going to knock on your awareness. I'm going to knock on your conscience. I'm going to knock on your time. I'm going to knock on your logic, I'm going to knock on your emotions. I will make sure that situations and circumstances are generated throughout your lifetime so that you will have opportunities to open the door and let me in. The enemy knows this. It's written in the Word. I stand at the door and knock. And so while Jesus is knocking, the devil's on your cell phone ringing. While Jesus is knocking, the enemy will be sending a text or an email. And I'm asking you, which one are you going to answer today? Oh, well, I could, you know, do Jesus another time and ask him in my heart. You don't know what's around either corner. Amen. We need to let Jesus in our heart now. Because this house was built, the house of your life was built to have the radiance of the Creator living inside of it. Every eye closed. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart or you've slipped away and you want to make a recommitment, shoot your hand up in the air and say, yeah, that's me. Come on, put your hand up in the air and say, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. I see that hand all the way up the back on my left. Thank you. You can put it down. God bless you. Who else? Put your hand up and say, that's me. I want Jesus. Come on. Don't hesitate. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Two hands over there. God bless you. You can put it down. God bless you for being so courageous. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Raise your hand. Now is the time. God is knocking. Jesus is knocking. And he's knocking on everyone's heart. He's talking to the church. And he's saying, what are you going to do with 2020? It is the year of perfect vision. Will you live a perfect vision? Or will you live nearsighted and farsighted? 2020. We could play off of that so many ways, but God wants to know, will it be a year of our vision? Because if it is, it'll be a year of division. 2020 needs to be the year where the church encompasses around God's vision. Who else wants to raise a hand? 
I want everyone very gently, very respectfully, very respectfully, very kind, gently, turn to someone and say, have you asked Jesus in your heart? If they raise their hand or say yes, then welcome them to come on down the front. A couple of minutes, I'm going to pray. It's so simple, and we close. Turn to someone next to you. And if you already raised your hand, come on down. I don't bite. I had breakfast. Come on down. Let Jesus, come on, come on, come on. Say yes to Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Here she comes. Here's one. Good. God bless you. Proud of you. Proud of you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm proud of you. You know what? The truth is, every one of us have done this, and every one of us are glad we've done this. And whether it's a recommitment or a first-time decision, this is the most important decision. Letting Jesus take up our space and us sitting at his feet. I know others raise their hands. I don't say it during an altar call just to sound good. If you didn't raise your hand, and if you did, pray this prayer with me right now. Ma'am, pray this prayer. Everyone, everyone pray this prayer. Dear God, I believe you're here and you care. You get me and you love me. Amazing. Thank you, God, for loving me. Jesus Christ, I don't want to just sit at your feet. I want you to live inside me. Come in my heart. Invade my life. Take up the space. Forgive me of all my sins. There are plenty there. I've done them. And I need your grace. Forgive me of my sin. And set me free. Father, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Good girl. No, thank him. God is good. Yeah, God is good. Father, bless her right now. Let the weight of the enemy be broken. Let the shackles, let the chains, let the curses be broken. Father, right now, let every curse over her life be broken. I command liberty and deliverance and freedom in the name of Jesus. Devil, you have no right over this woman as she surrenders to Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you think of people asking Jesus in their heart, church? Praise God. Is uh, Donna with you today? She's already in the room. Would you go with Pastor Tom and his lovely wife, Donna, just for a couple of minutes? I want to give you a Bible. I want to make sure you go home with plenty of information. Good girl. We're going to take up the tithes and offerings. Thank you, ushers. Quickly, ushers. If you are a guest or a visitor, please see the guest uh, table. We want to give you some gifts. And uh, thank you for being with us today. Amen. 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 Amen.